6 a.m. run community, family, everyone who continues to support this podcast. You guys are probably sick of my introductions here, but I really do want to start every episode with some gratitude as we record more episodes, more episodes. And obviously, as we're recording these, we're a couple weeks in the past, as you guys are hearing, I'm on launch days. I sometimes, you know, spend maybe Mondays and Wednesdays recording these. And then, you know, we're about two to three weeks, possibly about four weeks before we edit and get them out to you guys. So again, I just want to thank everyone. And you guys are really listening, giving me really good feedback. And and I really appreciate our community's love and support. So thank you. With that, I don't want to waste any more time. I have someone who is very, 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 very invested in this space. Someone who I think has a lot of new information that I don't think you guys hear that often. I feel like in the fitness world, we hear, excuse my language, but I feel like we hear this the same bullshit all the time. Eat right, work out right, take care of your body. Okay, that's great. But what do we do? I like tangible things. And I think this next guest is going to give you that list. So with that, I probably should have asked this, but I don't think I'll mess it up too bad. Justin McClintock. You nailed it. First try. Awesome. Justin, hype yourself up. Tell everyone why I brought you on. Introduce yourself, please. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the space and I appreciate the community listening. I'm a fitness and wellness coach and my specialty is bringing people back from setbacks. And this happens with runners all the time. So a setback being, it could be a training plateau. You've been trying to hit this speed or trying to you know, match your PR for this distance for a while and it's not happening. You don't understand why. More commonly, honestly, I run into chronic pain or injuries. Mm-hmm. When I run over a certain distance, my back hurts. When I run in the winter, my knee hurts. When you know I'm going through shoes and trying different kinds of shoes, but my shin splints keep coming back. And more frequently, it isn't necessarily the distance being run, but a mobility or strength imbalance that can be fixed with honestly, relatively small interventions. Usually we were talking off pod for a minute. Often it's like weeks of work, not Mm -hmm. months or years of work with a problem that has often been months, if not many years in the making. Yeah. And what led you to this? Where can we have the Justin though story for a second, whatever age that start? How did you end up in this path on, on this yellow brick road to fitness? It is not a straight line, but it started with running. I grew up with dad running distances. He certainly, I grew up around Boston. He ran the Boston Marathon every single year and dozens and dozens of marathons. Like every year, dad was doing a marathon or two. And that was sort of his space. I have a, a great family. We all love each other, but he had three chaotic kids. And that was his time to get out of the house. And like, he could take an hour or two or three if he was training for a marathon and go for a really long run. So I was always exposed to that. Uh huh. When I got into high school, I joined the cross-country team, a not particularly illustrious career, but, you know, got running. And from then on, that was how I started in fitness. Okay. Whenever I had some time or didn't know what to do, I moved to Manhattan and I would just go running around Central Park or just the Central Park Reservoir. That was just what I knew to do for fitness. As I started coaching, I got exposed to more and more with weightlifting and powerlifting and cardio and CrossFit and all the the many, many varieties, which I like playing with all of them. But running always comes back. I think there's something so basic about it. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the big appeals is that if you have a pair of shoes, you can go for a run and everything else is sort of built around that. I feel like running gets a bad rap in the fitness world sometimes, especially weightlifters, bodybuilders, people who focus on strength will kind of poo-poo running and not understand the expression between power, strength, stability, and being able to get away from a lion if you have to. Like, there's some real functional, fundamental value there. So it's always been a part of my life. So I think, so I'm going to be a little selfish here and play like, like it is my favorite child. I think running is the hardest if you think about it. I think quantitatively you can measure, all right, I'm going to bench press 145 pounds 10 times. I can do that. I can knock that out. 
your muscle though can reach a point of exhaustion and you know without a spotter, even maybe with a spotter, okay, look, I can't get this weight up the 15th time. Now you work it up the, maybe the third or fourth day, you get it up the 15th time. But I think some people don't understand and they don't want to be I actually, to be honest with you, as I say that out loud, it's a perfect analogy to lifting weights. I never forget the first time I went to a gym to lift weights and I put 225s on the barbell to bench. I was embarrassed, right? Everyone at minimum in that gym, men especially, were starting at a 45 pound weight on each side, right? And I believe that's, if correct me if I'm wrong, that's about 145, right? Yeah, 135. 135. Now, when I got to the point I could do the 245s, I felt better, right? Running is no different. I think where people are like, they don't want to be embarrassed, so to say, of, oh man, I can only go around that track once. But that's where it starts. And it's the same in weights. Everyone starts somewhere, right? 100%. And I think think you're exactly right, first of all, that running is a lot harder than people give it credit for. It's accessible because depending on injury and and fatigue level and things like that, there's a path into it for most people. If you can walk, then we can eventually walk faster and barring any giant movement deficits or injuries, maybe we can get you running again. However, there's also a giant gulf between running and running well. And certainly part of running well, I think, is having the strength and mobility and explosiveness and stability to go to put one foot in front of the other in the right direction with the right force over and over and over again. And doing it poorly is one of the things that sometimes leads to injuries and outcomes we don't love to see. Of course. I think too, I think the the other misconception, and and we can address an an elephant in every running room, you know, Yulit Kopchegi is a runner, okay? That dude is running five-minute miles and completing marathons in under two hours. That is a run. I think one thing that runners can admit to and and freely talk about Listen, I did my marathon in November. Let's be honest, I jogged it. Now, that wasn't easy either, right? But that was the pace where I knew I can quote unquote jog, keep my heart rate up, and not walk, right? I definitely feel like I ran the marathon, but most would call that a jogger's pace of sorts. It's tough. Were there points I felt like I could go faster and I did? Were there points where I was like, oh man, this is going to kill me? And I definitely had a slower pace. Absolutely. But maybe if you want to talk to your opinion, jogging versus running. I have a follow-up question to that. How did you feel after your marathon? Were you happy with it? Oh my God. I was excited that I got it done. And Justin, I don't know you know, what the differences of running or jogging are. But I can tell you this, my body will tell you, holy shit, I've never gone through anything that arduous before in my life. Yeah. So I would say own your win there. I think you ran a marathon. It sounds like you did it about as fast as you could possibly handle and still complete it. Own your win and always be careful about your self-talk. This is something I talk about with my clients all the time. Wow. If you talk yourself down, and I don't think you were meaning to be self-deprecating necessarily, but you're recognizing that there's other people faster in the world, that's relative. There's always someone faster. There's always someone stronger. There's always someone younger, better, fitter, leaner, better looking, whatever. But own your win. You're better than you were a year ago. You did a thing exactly, it sounds like, about how you want to do it or even better. Like, let that be a win. Because there might be someone listening who is a half hour slower than you, who's like, oh, well, if he doesn't think he ran a marathon, what the hell am I doing? No, no. And let me tell you, and this is the beauty of it, right? And even at that pace, and and, and they do a pretty good job of putting bright people in the right waves based on what time you think you're going to do. The best part was, and, and I say this to people, and in a good way, obviously, I, I never want to discredit people who walked it and things like that. 
But seeing people stop and seeing people walk or seeing people not be able to even finish it at a walking pace, I think that, to your point, that really helped me be like, oh man, I'm not that bad right now. Like I'm seeing someone younger than me having to stop and walk. I'm seeing someone, you know, looking fitter than me, not being able to continue the run, right? So to your point, and you know, you have to sometimes find motivation other places. And while I don't want to knock anyone, but seeing so many people, and especially there's, you know, 50,000 people that are doing that with you in New York, kind of seeing one by one people fall off and you're like, wait a minute, like I'm still going. Like there's a nice sense of pride there. Now, obviously I have compassion and empathy for the people who couldn't finish or if you walked it, listen, we both finished the same amount of distance and burned the same amount of calories. So there is that. So anyone that finishes that thing, there's a 70-year-old man, I think, finished Chicago Marathon on a walking pace. But look, man, that's amazing. Kudos to him too. Like, yeah, no, it's about finishing, getting to the finish line. I don't want to take up, this is your interview, but listen, it's about getting there and getting to the end. However you get there, it, it fucking doesn't matter. And I would say more specifically, it's about your goals, right? Like there may be someone who was like, I'm going to finish this no matter what, it doesn't matter. And it took them whatever the, the cutoff was for that. Maybe it was seven and a half hours and a lot of it was walking. Maybe they're happy with that. There's also someone who's trying to qualify for the Olympics who did it in 235 and is really bummed out. They have a better marathon than that in them and they're not happy. And these are right. just relative. So I right. always try and program everything is directed toward your right. goals. Like everything I do is one-on-one. -on -one. I do custom for every single client built from the ground up. Okay which is very tough to scale, but super precise and super okay. individualized. So we can figure out exactly what you want. Like if you would be happy with a four and a half hour marathon, that's what we're going to get you at. If we can get you faster, great. If, you know, as keep you healthy, keep you not injured. But if your goal is a 235, that's a very different training plan, of course, but that's a potentially okay, depending on your training history and injury history and what you're capable of. And I would also just say like, you shouldn't feel bad about getting that boost from passing by people mm -hmm. who are on the racetrack. I would also note that all of those people on the sidelines haven't even jumped in. True. You're so far ahead of what so many people are doing, just in a, in a relative sense. Right. Absolutely. No. And by the way, the crowd, you know, Boston is very similar. The yeah, crowd I'm in is New York amazing. Also. New York's great. Oh, dude, it's a party, right? Yeah, they're not running it, but they're definitely enjoying not running it. I told people that if you like marathoning and you care about New York at all, it's one of the best ways to see the city. Because you hit all five neighborhoods. There's people out. It's a really good time. Everyone is supportive. It's just a ball. Oh, and it, by the way, the signs. So I'm from Delaware and I wasn't going to do a marathon here in in uh, pretty boring. De and I, I love Delaware. Don't get me wrong. People from Delaware don't hate, hate me too much. <laughs> um, our business is located here. We love our Delaware clients, everything. But I knew, to your point, going through the boroughs, the backdrop of New York City, it definitely... I've never as much pain as I was in, but I've never had five. For me, it was like a little under five hours. I've never had five hours fly by so fast, if that makes any sense. A hundred percent. There's no, like coming over the 59th Street Bridge and watching Manhattan open in front of you is just, it's just different. There's just something different about it. Yeah, I definitely didn't start. I haven't really said this story. I didn't start right. Uh, I was supposed to start at a slower pace, but when you're coming over that first bridge and uh, there was a police helicopter that kind of flew up from under the bridge. Oh, and um, action movie. Yeah, it's like, it, it hypes you up, right? So you're like, totally. and then my buddy who's, who's tracking, actually the 6AM running group and everyone was like tracking me. My buddy's like, yo, dude, why'd you just do that first mile in like under 10? I thought you were gonna be at like 11, 12. I was like, yeah, you don't get like, how you come out of that gate is pretty like, you're fired up. And by the way, everyone says, don't do that. And I told myself not to do that. And I still did that. 
It's so hard not to. That's why we do race day, right? Like the race day is part of it. The emotions are part of it. The experience is all part of it. Yeah. So going now, going back to you, I love you. Now your approach with clients, you have clients that obviously have different goals, different things, but do you still have a general kind of like way of what you need? Stretching, you know, mobility. It seems like you still, regardless of what they want, but there are certain things that you checklists that you want them to check off to get to those goals. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, 100%. So every single client, once we decide to work together, and I don't take everybody, you know, I I will tell people that I'll talk to anyone, but we don't work with everyone because I'm not the right coach for everyone. And if you're listening and you're interested in a coach, I'll talk to you. But if if I don't think we're a right fit, I'm going to refer you to someone who's a better coach for you. I was saying earlier to someone today that I had a a potentially world-class triathlete talking to me. And I referred them to someone else because I am not a world-class triathlete coach. I've coached people to their first triathlon very successfully, like lower level, but this person needed like, you know, swimming, pacing, and brick transitions that are just a little bit out of my scope. I think it would be unethical for me to take that client. But everyone, once we've decided to work together, everybody starts with a movement assessment. And it's short, but it's a head-to-toe movement assessment. You can do it in person or on video. And I'm mostly looking how you work joint to joint. How are your shoulders? How are your hips? How are your knees? How are your ankles? How are your wrists? Bending, squatting, all of these things. Looking for any sort of yellow flags, red flags. Compare that to what we've talked about and what you've told me. And we can start pretty quickly to figure out where issues are coming from. You know, if you tell me you've had some lower back pain and then I ask you to bend over and touch your toes, you're like, oh yeah, I feel a real stretch in my calf. I was like, okay, that's your sciatic nerve. However, there's some very small interventions we could do, maybe for just a couple of weeks to fix that pain, to solve your problem. And, and this is the giant underline it, we don't necessarily have to stop training. I cannot stand it when, when people are like trainers, like, oh, well, that hurts a little bit. Stop your entire training program. Go stretch for three weeks or only walk for three weeks or only do yoga, only do this corrective wow. thing. I think we can weave your corrective thing in as long as we're not doing any harm. Sure. We have to be careful of that, but we can weave your corrective thing in with a training plan. Maybe it's not the exact training plan you were doing. If you're doing hill repeats every Tuesday and you're like, well, my knee hurts and my lower back hurts and we determine that you have some real instability in your knee, we might have your hill repeats away. However, we might turn it into a, a very knee intensive strength day. We might put you in the gym for a bunch of box step ups and single leg extensions and calf work and things that are a different kind of workout, but still moving in that same direction. Four weeks later, we'll go out and do some slower hill repeats, see how you feel. Problem solved, problem solved. Away you go. Right. Wow. I love that. And let me ask you this. What's mm-hmm. your thought right now coming out of the pandemic? I'm sure pandemic, a lot of businesses, coaching, running coaches, trainers, I love the pivot they've made. I feel like they now can actually reach more people anytime. I feel like trainers, sometimes you're kind of limited to like, all right, my, the gym I work at is open at an X amount of hours. But I think what I love about the pandemic was, okay, look, this person loves me as their trainer. So guess what? If they want to do a Zoom, you know, we'll do a Zoom and I'll work them out like, you know, in their living room. Do you think the pandemic helped you to pivot business in a way that now you reach whoever you want to reach whenever you want to reach them? I would say it amplified. I was online before the pandemic. Most of what I do is remote programming. So like we'll work together, figure out what the plan is, figure out who you are, sort of your essence design a plan based on you, your goals, your schedule, your equipment. And then a plan gets delivered to you every day. And there's an app mm-hmm. and there's a website and there's an email and however you want it, you want to get it. But it gets delivered. You go do the workout. Wow. And then I get as much feedback as you want to provide. So ideally, you know, you tell me the time you did and the distance you did, the weights you moved. I also really want to know how it felt. 
right. especially if you're doing weight stuff or anything there's a form question on strength corrective i set your phone up take a video and it all goes right in the i have an online coaching portal it all goes there so then i can get a really clear picture of what's going on i will do online zoom and certainly in-person work that's a much higher price point mm-hmm. so for someone like i i suspect a bunch of your community is training three four five or more times a week they don't want to pay for most people don't want to pay for a one-on-one coach's hours time for that rather we give them a program and we check in basically every single day i'm reading all of the workouts what happens sending messages we'll do zoom phone calls usually about one, once a month unless something comes up and it lets me work with more people at a higher level it also does generally require people to be of a slightly more advanced training age if you're brand new at fitness that's probably not the way to go you want a coach on top of you watching everything you do but if you've been doing it for a little while and you have some specific goals, we can probably send you a program every day. You do it, and then we progress that day-to-day, week-to-week. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. And then tracking diet. Now, let's talk a little bit. Okay, like I feel like that's a great thing. What are your tips on dieting? On you know, One thing I think the pandemic kind of, it's weird. I think the pandemic, I keep using myself as an example. Mm-hmm. I think people were like, wait, I do have more time. I can, you know, schedule a bunch of Zooms or check in with my boss, whatever. And I feel like people, you noticed that you probably know this yourself, like Amazon, you couldn't buy like free weights or like yeah. fitness equipment. A buddy of mine wanted a, you deal with triathletes. A buddy of mine could not find a bicycle. Like it was crazy. He was like, dude, you can't even get a bike. And in the height of the pandemic, I think now things are obviously stable a little bit more. So you couldn't even get a bike. Like, you know what I mean? So what is now on diet though? That's where I'm bringing it back to. I just felt though it was like, cause I was home, right? Let me run to the fridge. Let me grab this snack. Let me, you know, I didn't like that I was home so much and walking to the pantry. I had to kind of tell myself, stop, like, don't go to the pantry. Don't go to the fridge. Or if you are, get a juice, get a water, get something that, you know, get a fruit, you know, like I really had to change my thinking, right? This isn't your Saturday afternoon, you're home and walk into the pantry. Now you're home seven days a week. What is your take on diet and its importance? Do you want to maybe go into that a little bit? Yeah, 100%. So I think diet is paramount. Nutrition is the foundation of everything we do. As someone who basically exclusively provides fitness programming, if I could give you the perfect fitness program or make your nutrition perfect, I would make your nutrition perfect. Wow. It'll get you further. You'll have more results. Everything else will be easier if your nutrition is on point. Yeah. That said, I always suggest people don't do anything dramatic. And okay. people have that day where they they wake up after a long weekend or they had a particularly big meal. They, you know, went off whatever their particular diet was and they notice that, you know, their mile time slowed by 30 seconds and they're like, that's it. I'm giving up whatever. And it tends to be something fairly, I'm giving up all yeah. carbohydrates or something wild. I'm intermittent fasting for 18 hours a day or something like that. And there's places for food restriction and fasting and all of that. The results are meh. But there's places for all of this. The first thing I would do, especially in like this work from home scenario you're you're, uh, describing, I suggest people start tracking their stuff. And Mm -hmm. as much as possible, tracking without judgment. And that's really, really hard. Like as soon as you start writing things down, there's some bias in it. But if you can, whatever your favorite tracking app is, or if you'll use a piece of paper or a spreadsheet... I always say the best tracking method for you is whatever you will do consistently and just start writing it down, right? Ideally, we would have someone follow you around in secret and write down everything you ate and drank and do that for like 10 days. One day doesn't tell you anything, like 10 days, write it down and then go back and look at it and be like, okay, how are we doing? Oh, and, and if you can compare that to your training log, now you get some real information like, oh, this day where I ate a whole lot, I was a little slow the next morning. 
oh, but then I ate almost nothing for a day and a half because I was feeling bad about myself. Oh, and then my training really went to hell and I, I, I was too tired to even go for a run. Oh, and you start noticing like where the patterns are and then you can start evening things out a little bit, right. which is really most people just need some balance, you know, enough protein, some carbohydrates, especially if you're like, I would hope most of your community, if you're running, like you need carbohydrates, mm-hmm. full stop, end of story, you know, some healthy fats and sleep and recovery is going to get you really, oh really God. far also like a little bit of balancing your diet and a regular bedtime is a massive step forward, especially with people's schedules these days. What is your thought? I just out of curiosity, I try to get a gauge and most people are very open and very, I love that most people have been very open and flexible. And obviously you're going to get clients from all walks of life. What is your thought on proteins, vegan, certain diets, keto? Is there one that you do recommend? I do think trainers do work around their clients requests, obviously. But is there one though you, if you had to recommend one that you've seen the most success in, I just, I ask because I like to get a gauge on all our guests. It's not a, a political question or anything like that, but what is your thought on certain diets and certain nutrition choices? It's wild how many disclaimers you have to put in front of a nutrition question, isn't it? Right. <laughs> this isn't a political statement. It's not a religious it's not. statement. It's, it's just, not a yeah. moral statement. <laughs> yeah. We're just talking nutrition. So generally... First thing I will say is if you found something that's honestly working for you and you look, feel, perform the way you want, great. You nailed it. Everyone's an individual. You found it. Don't question anyone. Don't take anyone's flack. Keep doing the thing you're doing. If your blood work is good, Mm -hmm. if your doctor's cool with it, rock and roll. Right. That said, most extremes don't work for most people. Sure. So keto is an extreme. Depending on how you do it, intermittent fasting can be an extreme. Usually some balance is pretty good. Most people will thrive on whole food. So something like a, uh, like call it like a paleo, kind of, if you remember the paleo that was mm-hmm. big, you know, eight, 10 years ago. If most people do like an 80% paleo diet, they're going to be in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. People do need protein in their life. There's mm-hmm. a lot of amino acids and animal proteins that are basically essential. You can supplement them from other sources. It's easiest to get it from animal sources. I would say there's very strong moral, ethical, and political reasons to not eat meat. There's not really a lot of health reasons to not eat meat. So if that's if any of those reasons are your are to do it, then you should stand by them. If it's a moral choice or an ethical choice or an economic choice or a political choice, I 100% get it. There's very strong reasons for there. There's not a lot of good health reasons to avoid meat. So if that's the reason that you're shying away from it, mm-hmm. I would suggest come back in the pool, have some lean meats. Uh, the proteins and amino acids will serve you really mm-hmm. well. Make sure you're getting lots of fruits and vegetables. You need the fiber. You need the micronutrients. And everything in balance, you know, don't start kicking out major food groups just to kick out major food groups. Yeah, no, I, I, I do. And, and, you know, one of our successes was because of amino acids. It's funny you mentioned that. We can talk about that. One of the reasons I started this company at 35, I realized like, look, I was trying to discover why everyone's heard my story, but I know you haven't, Justin, so I'll share with you. You know, I was playing a pickup basketball game. I'm 35 years old. And, you know, I see these 25 year olds. I could not do what they were doing in the gym. And my research, you know, while yes, my body just was never going to anyway, but my research really led me down to a path where I was like, holy shit, I found out, I didn't know until 35 what an amino acid was, right? Our study, our marathon formula, which is our bestseller, and by the way, it, it sucks because I don't want this to be a show. I, You probably have heard our podcast before. We don't mention our products on the podcast, but you're bringing this up. So let me just yeah. say, our amino acids, it's 5,000 milligrams of amino acids. That is the equivalent of eight 12-ounce steaks, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody, unless you're man versus food, really can eat eight 12 ounce steaks to get that 5,000 milligrams of amino acids. So in one scoop of our marathon formula, you are getting that. And, you know, as you're getting older, two things, one, you're doing a marathon, you've ran a marathon, 5,000 milligrams of amino acids, your body's going to just get depleted. So it's good to add in with your hydration, which is what we've done in that product. It's funny. You're one of the first nutritionists I've had on this show who's really mentioned amino acids. And that's why I bring up our formula because it's so crucial. My daughter, who's 14, our finish line, which is not caffeinated version of it. You know, she's basketball is her dream too. She wants to play at the next level after high school. She comes home, legs hurt, hardest training session she swears of of her, you know, of her young, you know, life. Give her finish line. Justin, she's up and at it next day, ready to go back to train again, do the same session. I don't think I'm I'm going off on a tangent here, but I want you know you to, to chime in here. I don't think people understand the importance of amino acids, throwing that in their body as they're doing a lot more arduous, you know, activities. Yeah, it's absolutely essential. I would put amino acids in with micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, things like that, that people often avoid getting by trying to go somewhere else or take a really extreme turn. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it sounds like, first of all, you're to be applauded for telling people what's in your supplement, because there's lots of people who don't do that. And I get Mm -hmm. really cranky when people are just like hiding behind I, I don't know what the dose is. You say there's some in here, oh, but no, you don't no, tell no. me how much yep. there is. Like, no, 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 no. And I put those together and I think you made a really good connection with your daughter, which is why I mentioned bedtime with nutrition is that it's all basically part of recovery, mm-hmm. right? We can only train as hard as we can recover. So your recovery, which nutrition is part of that mm-hmm. nutrition, diet, stress, that's sort of the sleep, diet, stress triangle. If we can really nail those, and I think amino acids is a really important part of that, then you can take your training to essentially whatever whatever level you want. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, potassium for cramping. But yeah, I don't think people understand too. And the other thing that's crazy is just joints, some of the joint issues and things like that. When I have a runner that tells me, hey, I'm 45, you know, I'm 42 now, and I, I didn't think I could, you know, do a 10 miler, you know, at 45 years old and you're, you know, with your product. And what's crazy is you're mentioning things your body kind of naturally produces, right? You talk about sleep, right? I get nervous. One of the things, at least amino acids is not that bad at your body. Like on, we can talk about melatonin. We don't do any melatonin items at this moment, but you know, your body naturally produces melatonin. If your body stops, right, then maybe you should. I, I never want people to get addicted to something, right? Or not even say addicted. That's the wrong word. But you don't want your body to get used to it so your body doesn't make it at all anymore. But at the same time, I think what people need, you talk about blood testing and things like that. If your body's not making melatonin anymore, then then maybe we need to look at like, all right, let's add that into your diet a little bit, right? In a healthy way, obviously, so that you're not addicted to it. So I love your approach. And one of the things I love what you said is checking with doctors. One of the things real quick, I want to tell you why I'm the way I am in knowing every single thing. I've had countless healthy, I'll say it this way, healthy debates with nutritionists who want to kind of knock our products. They are just very, and I hate the word supplement. I like to call us a nutrition company. Unfortunately, the FDA calls us a supplement, which I get, but every ingredient in our lineup is FDA approved. One of the things I'll say about nutritionists, and I'll say this, and even a lot of our runners come up to us and say, nutritionists get paid to put diets together for people, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
But a company like us, sometimes I feel like they view us. I'd love to be partners with nutritionists in some way. Hey, nutritionists, add us to your client's diet. I think nutritionists just have had a long time of viewing companies like us as the enemy. And I hope they understand there's new age companies like 6AM Run that want to be allies. And there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of nutritionists come out of, first of all, writing plans. They're trained often to write plans for people coming out of the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a significant amount of the training, which is they're writing plans for very sick people or post-surgical people or things like that. And there certainly are sports nutritionists out there. I'm well aware of that. But a lot of the training comes is aimed at a different population than you or I are generally serving. I work with people post-hospital, usually post-physical therapy, trying to go from physical therapy and back to their training and filling in that gap that exists, I think, right now, sort of between the medical system and healthcare. But they are going to, and I think there's a lot of space for understanding where, as they would say, a supplement fits. If they have a client, and every nutritionist, if you're listening to this, like compliance is their biggest problem, right? They can write a meal plan, and then someone doesn't do it. And they're like, well, you didn't eat, you didn't eat the things I told you to eat. Like, yeah, it's really hard to eat the things you tell me to eat, and it all falls apart. And if the only if they are you know 90% compliant and they just see these open spots, we're like, oh, you know, if we could like get your creatine up where we need it and some more amino acids, and you know, a, we need a, a few more carbs in your life. If we get like 60 more carbs somewhere around your training, that would probably change your whole day. And that would be amazing. Most nutritionists, again, sports nutritionists aside, aren't actually they're less interested in the performance. Yeah, wow. They're that. less interested in like your wants and needs. And this isn't wrong. They're focused on. Can you do the things you you have to do? Can you get out of bed, go to the toilet on yourself, wash yourself, feed yourself? Yeah. Are you a, a functional human being? Is your blood work okay? Great. You're good. Out the door. Where you and I step in, I think a little bit more is, okay, what do you want to do? Oh, you want to get faster. You want to run. Yep. You want to recover. You want to be able to train as hard as you want to and play with your kids and sleep like a baby. That's different. And you need different stuff and more stuff oh my in God. order to be yeah. able to do that. You mentioned physical therapy. Let's go back on that. The big, and I've talked to a lot of people about uh, runners have injuries, runners um, have surgery, runners, unfortunately, as you get older, you things happen, right? A lot of what I've heard, physical therapy, and, and, and I'd love, and maybe we can even get you on if we have one of these episodes, get a panel together. What I'm hearing on the physical therapy side is a lot of these physical therapy chains are keeping clients in there to not, you know, to keep getting the insurance money or to keep getting paid, right? What is your take on maybe leaving a physical therapy kind of chain that let your surgeon, let's say you just had a knee replacement, right? Or a hip replacement. And then your surgeon says, now go to this physical therapy place. Would you recommend them maybe? I feel like, and I'm not just saying this because you're on my show, you're better off finding yourself a Justin and leaving the physical therapy chain model. Am I crazy for saying that? It really depends on the individual. And I keep coming back to that, like every single person is different, but they really are. If you just had a major surgery and your surgeon says, go to physical therapy, you should go to physical. No, 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 don't get, but I'm saying it's, I feel like their exit strategy is not great. Potentially. And that is where someone like me comes in. If you've been in physical therapy for a while and you saw some gains, you were getting better and now you feel stuck or you're not progressing, it's worthwhile to ask the question. And this is very and I, I have a bunch of friends and colleagues who are PTs. I refer to physical therapists all the time when it's appropriate. I have people I absolutely trust and do amazing work. But it's worth asking the question for a physical therapist. Hey, what should I expect to see changing? When is this going to change? Let Why me make, am I doing? Yeah, let me make that clear. There's good people in every profession. Yeah. Do not get me wrong. But there is also bad seeds there too. Yeah. And, and I totally understand your question. If you've been doing the same three exercises with the same red resistance band for six weeks and you right? don't feel better and your pain's still there, 
and it seems like you're just waiting until the insurance coverage lapses, then it's worth asking the question if it's someone you trust or, you know, going somewhere else. And I think I'm certainly an option with that. Like I said, I have myself and a bunch of my colleagues work very ethically on purpose. So if you come to me and talk to me, I might say, oh, no, you need a physical therapist. Like, you're crazy. And it might be, you know, you were receiving, they were having you do these exercises with the band, but you're badly in need of manual therapy. You actually need someone to touch you. and may, Or maybe you need some dry needling. Or maybe you need some, I don't know what you need, but you need someone to put their hands on right. you. I'm not licensed to do that. So you need someone to do that. When that feels better, then come to me. Love it. We're going to build up your strength, stability, agility, and get you back the way you're going. So yes, like there's certainly bad actors and there's people who are doing this monster, you know, trying to work with 10 clients at the same time. And five of them are always on the treadmill and it's very boring. But there are great ones out there too. So unfortunately, your mileage may vary. It's always worth asking people for a recommendation. And if you have a coach or people in your life, they might have physical therapists they recommend. And you may be able to ask your doctor. I've had success with this mm-hmm. saying, hey, I know you told me to go to X, Y, and Z PT down the street. I really like this guy. Could you write a referral for them? Right. And Absolutely. they often are like, yeah, I don't care. Go to go do physical therapy. As long as you do physical therapy, I'm good, man. Yeah. And by the way, you said it a lot beautifully than I, I said it. And that's my point. I think the information's out there for people to find the, the winning solution for themselves. And that's why I love that you're on the show because that that's all I really, and, and you articulated it 100% better than I was just trying. It's exactly what you said. You're three months and If there's not progress, here's what I love, regardless of your age, right? If you put work into something, there should still be improvement. You might not be able to be LeBron James one day, right? But I think if you put effort into things, you should at least see improvement, right? If I've never ran a mile before, even though I'm 42, I should be able to run a mile within a week, let's say. Now, maybe at 48, I might be slower. But do you understand what I'm saying? I feel like people need to see the constant wins as well. And and if you don't see the wins, the wins is what motivates you. I'm not saying you have to run a two-hour marathon or you have to lift a million pounds in weights. But I think no matter what your age is, you should be able to say, losing five pounds was a win. Running five minutes faster was a win. Wins are if you're a little bit competitive with yourself like I am, it's those little wins that keep you going the next day, the next day, and the next day. A hundred percent. And I think you're with the right people in physical therapy, in working with someone like me, you can find those wins. And it might be asking for it. It mm-hmm. might be, you know, your, your PT is stretching you and you're like, how am I doing? And if they're like, you got 15 degrees more hip flexion you did last week. You're doing great. Even oh, I didn't like that wasn't on my bucket list, like 15 degrees more hip flexion. But that's really good. Because I need that hip flexion wow. if I'm going to you know, I love that. rear back and gain some power for that. And maybe that person is working in the right direction. There's also lots of PTs who work in weight rooms, who work in you know movement-centric specialties now. There's a lot of people sort of aiming at active populations in a way that is really good, as opposed to not unlike the nutritionist I talked about earlier, lots of physical therapists are trained to work in hospitals and take people from catastrophic situations back to being able to do the activities of daily life, you know, feed themselves, wash themselves, get themselves in and out of bed. Yeah. Most people want a little more than that. And that's where a different kind of PT and or someone like myself can step in and take you to that next level. They're not doing bad work, but they're not going to take you all the way to the finish line because your finish line is different. Arthritis, carpal tunnel, things like that. Have you had clientele with nagging issues and what has kind of been the approach with them as we talk about this kind of stuff while we're on this topic? What is your thoughts on, you know, people that have some of these things that people view as like death sentences? 
how do you approach them? Do you approach them or do you have a way in which you'd love to approach someone with that issue? hundred percent. I have a number of clients with arthritis. Arthritis depends, arthritis or um, capsulitis, depending on what is going on, can be different. I can't promise that we can fix all arthritis. Some arthritis is, is just there and there's no getting away from it. Often we can make it less painful. Often we can, re- can create more joint mobility. And a lot of times those feel like the wins. Um, mm-hmm. I have a client I'm thinking of right now who came to me came to me with a completely different complaint and mentioned along the way that she was having trouble grabbing things, which is sort of like, we're starting to become like, a, that's a very basic complaint. We're starting to like eke into, you need this just to get through the world. Wow, yeah. And it was some arthritis and it started with like, my knuckles were sore and then my knuckles were always sore. And then I couldn't hold on to something as firmly as I wanted to. We started doing some fairly basic, like grabbing, holding exercises that went very well and we progressed her up and up and up because I don't have a, you know, a fixed finish line necessarily. And I'm not on the insurance this timeline. Now she's carrying, she carried, she's a 76 year old woman and she carried 75 pounds for 200 feet today and wow. in her hand, like held onto it with strong, with a grip. She can hang from a pull up bar with her feet off the ground. She can do all of these things. Now that wasn't, I just described a 25 week process, right? but no. she thought she might not be able to open a doorknob. Like wow. she was, she was looking to say, like, I'm really worried about this. Is this something I should be worried about? Absolutely. But I think we can do something better. Now she's not hundred percent pain-free. No, it's, it's not a magic switch. And arthritis is tricky that way. Um, I'm actually in the middle of an orthopedics course right now, mostly centered on arthritis and joint things. It's fascinating, but there's a lot we can do for it. So it's rarely a death sentence. And there's often lots of ways to whatever your particular finish line is. Yeah. Love that. No, and let me ask you this too, this last, one of my last questions too, we talk about, you know, arthritis, we talk about, let me get to this last question. I know too, sometimes pain for me, if in the winter, let's say Christmas and Thanksgiving, I've just gorged a little bit and I'm like, I've cheated. Luckily, I think I run 12 months out of the year. So my weight gain around the holidays is not horrible, but it's, it's substantial. What's funny as I get older too, if I put on, let's say 10 pounds around the holidays between five, you know, that's when I might wake up with a backache right? I don't know. And, and you're the first person I'm kind of telling this issue to. Do you think that is also kind of just, a, again, just your body saying, whoa, we're not used to carrying this weight? Probably not. Not with 10 pounds of weight gain around the holidays. I wouldn't think so. If you, that was combined with like a really arduous <laughs> run, like if you hit your peak have holiday weight and suddenly decide to do like a trail run up a mountain or something that wasn't normal, you know, something really wear and tear. I would suspect more it's a combination of sort of not perfect recovery. Like you're probably not sleeping as well. Maybe there's some travel. Maybe there's some alcohol. Maybe there's some other things involved. Uh, plus with maybe some food inflammation, you're exposed to foods you aren't you know, exposed to all the time. So things are just a little more inflamed and things are a little angry to start with. Let me hold on. So let me bring you to the number one foes in this space. What is your take on stretching. So that's where maybe we can talk about because I hate it and I rarely do it. I, I You're going to yell at me. Everyone does. I get it. But I'm like, I'm more get up and go. But go ahead. I think where we're getting on that. Your thoughts, Justin, on stretching. I'm not super pro stretching. I am pro warm up. Okay. So I want you to be ready to do the activity that you want to do. Like what, whether it's the, the day of training or certainly the race at the best you can, you're, you're the top of your ability. Usually you can't do that cold. 
And especially right. as people get older, they are less likely to do a cold, right? If I go and try and like run a 400 meter sprint, my hamstring is going to go flinging across the neighborhood. It's not going to work out. I just need a little bit of warm up. I do think a more intentional warm up is usually more useful than just sitting on the ground and stretching. Yeah. So going through those movement patterns, understanding the muscles you want to wake up, some inchworms or air squats or lunges or that kind of like moving around, get the blood flowing, get your ligaments nice and warm, and then go, I am very pro warm up. But stretching, there's not a lot of evidence behind stretching. If it makes you feel good, then you're probably not going to hurt yourself doing it. But especially pre-workout, there's not a ton of evidence showing that it is very useful. So, Wow. Eh. Awesome. No, I love that. So you, Justin, you've been amazing with your time. We're kind of coming on that fourth quarter of this conversation. I got all my questions out of the way, but please let me know. Is there something I missed? Is there something you want to also address to our running audience and, and our audience of 6 a.m. runners um, in our community? Also, too, we definitely, before we end, let's make sure to get your social handles, every piece of information out there about you so people can contact you. But but please, let's go ahead and, and anything that maybe I didn't ask that you want to maybe mention, please. A hundred percent. Well, if you want to find me, Instagram is the easiest place. The company is called Feel Strong Fitness. So the Instagram handle is at Feel Strong Fit. The website is feelstrong.me. And you can find me, exactly me. I'm the only one who's going to answer you at the end of both of those. The thing I would leave people with is that everyone is an individual mm-hmm. and there's almost always a way forward toward your goals. If you can find someone who can understand who you are, kind of assess where you're at, figure out where you've been, where you want to go, there is probably a way forward. If you're sitting there thinking, well, I can't do this, you know, these things are impossible, that's relatively unlikely. Mm -hmm. Can I promise you're going to break a world record? No. If you're near a world record, is there a possibility? Yeah, of course there's a possibility. But be careful about shutting off the possibilities. My career at this point is mostly defined with people doing things they didn't think they could do as little as three to six months ago. And I'm not a magician. I'm just thoughtful and intentional and I care about each individual. Yeah, no, I I love that. And I think, like I said, we'll, guys, we'll put everything. Justin, I love Justin's energy. I think, Justin, you have, you've established yourself today as a, an expert on the subject matter. Obviously, you can tell, you know, you've seen kind of maybe it all. So I, I really appreciate your time. And I think if we have more questions, there might be an opportunity. Let's, you know, as we get maybe in a marathon season in the fall, have you back on a second time because this was a great conversation and I hope I didn't hijack or anything, but you answered a lot of my questions. So thank you so much. No, this has been a joy and I look forward to, to doing it again. And if your listeners awesome. have any questions, they can just absolutely reach out. I love talking to people. Oh, for sure, guys. We'll put everything in the bio. Um, obviously, we're, we're a few weeks out, Justin, from putting this out there. But yeah, no, thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait for our audience to hear this one while they're running, picking up their kids, whatever they're doing. I think this will be a great, uh, you know, 45 minutes hour of their time. So thank you guys so much, everyone. You know, keep rocking on. And, and really, again, thank you guys all for the support and continuing supporting and listening to the 6AM Run podcast. Thank you guys and have a great, great one. Thank you guys. Bye-bye.